morning, everybody. How you guys doing this morning? Good, I'm doing good. And you sounded great. Just listening, eavesdropping on the musical worship. Sometimes I like to just sit in the back and just listen to you guys. So it's fun. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about Mary Magdalene as we continue our journey through Gallery 13. So you can grab your fridge fold, and uh, there's a number of verses there that we're going to be taking a look at. Gallery 13 is really all about what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? And so we've been looking at these different portraits and, and really just trying to spotlight a few biographies, a few people that walked and, and moved and lived and breathed right next to Jesus, right alongside of him as a follower. For some of us, that um, is, is something that is very much outside of our context, you know, unless we've actually gone through the process where somebody said, hey, you need a mentor. You need somebody to walk beside you. You need, you need somebody to, to meet with on a weekly basis and tell them what you're doing in life, what your decisions are. Unless we've been through something like that, discipleship also often has kind of a hollow ring to us. It, we, it, we may find it vicariously. Maybe we surf the internet and we find you know, voices that are inspirational. You know, we go on Pinterest and all of a sudden, you know, our hearts are just all aflutter with all of these inspirational quotable quotes, you know, and we just want to post it on our pages and we want to send it to people and we want to print it out and put it on sticky notes on our mirrors when we wake up in the morning, these kinds of things. But really, when we, when we start talking about discipleship, we're talking about living, we're talking about living alongside of each other and following each other. And discipleship and being a follower of Christ often does not look necessarily like black and white. And we like black and white. We like lines. We like to be able to say, like, here is, here is right and here is wrong. And the gray, I don't really want to think about that too much. That's where conflict arises. I don't want to do any deep thoughts on that. Just I want to know that I'm right. We're very interested in being right. Very interested in, in knowing that, that we are correct and that we're proper and that we have it figured out. And we don't want you to see, anybody else out there, to, to see kind of that there might be doubt. Sometimes we can swing to the opposite extreme. It's interesting as humans, we can, we can be all about the right. And then we can have, if, we, if you have at least 20, maybe 25 years of life experience on you, you get the, the privilege of hindsight. You can look back a little bit and you can go, oh, well, there's times when I thought I was right. Oh, man, I was not right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. What was I on? What happened at that period of my time that I did that thing last month for some of us? Like, that's the hindsight. It was just like, what happened? Like, what is four weeks? How, how did that all of a sudden become just so different that I am no longer the same person? And usually those things that happen, you know, extreme pain or maybe people, people coming alongside of you and just saying, listen, we love you. And you're really dumb right now. And you need, you need to listen to some wisdom. You know? It's not often as simple as, as a spotlight. You know? It's not often as simple as just like you know, God's word is going to illuminate our path. You know? what, if, what if there was just a spotlight from heaven that just, whoa. You like that? I'll tell you what, those tech guys are awesome. What if there was a spotlight that it was just like, I'm just going about my daily business, and I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Bam! I'm like, oh, that's all. thanks, God. That's awesome. Oh, wait a second. Oh, this is a little bright. I mean, you can, you can probably see me a little better. I don't know. 
Maybe I don't want you to see me better. Or maybe I just, maybe I just want to stand on this side. This is my best side. Ready? It's good. Maybe you see me better. Stop. Don't look. I'm going to show these people my best side. No, we, we get in there and we get in the light and the light kind of, the light kind of is one of those things that we, we want to play around with because we like the light, we like the sun, we like to go to the beach and bask in it, you know, and, and, and at the same time, when it illuminates the things that are going on inside of our hearts, when we just say, here I am, I have now stepped out of darkness, I've come out into the light. There's a language that, that is very prevalent in our culture right now, coming out, right? And the reality of it is we all have to come out and say, this is who I am. But it's not just about coming out and saying, this is who I am. What we're doing is we're stepping out into the spotlight of God's love and design and saying, now God, you tell me who I should be. That's a little more uncomfortable. Maybe I just want to play over here. Or maybe I just want to forget God's light altogether because that's just a little bit scary. And I'd much rather, I got my own light. I'll find my own way. I'll search through here. Hey, how you doing over there? Hey, hey, you know, uh, hey, let, let's have a party. Yeah, yeah, all right, you know. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to have a good time, you know. Let's make scary faces and be silly, you know. Ooh, we're going to do things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with light in a way that is on my own terms. I'm going to define what I illuminate I'm going to define what is true and what is real and what is natural and normal to me. And in, instead, of, God calls us to step into his glorious light where he defines us. Where the things that are natural, they may not be godly. The things that, that, are, that feel good and may be very pleasurable or very comfortable to me may just not be what is best for me. And I have to decide whether I'm going to define my own reality in that sense and illuminate the things that I want to or whether I'm going to step into God's light. And Mary, Mary Magdalene, was one of those women, one of those precious women in the Bible that was right by the side of Jesus for so much of his ministry. About 14 times she's referenced in the, in the course of the Gospels. And this woman was always as a disciple following Jesus, and she was where many other people were not, where many of the other disciples had run away, they had gotten scared, they had gotten disillusioned, Mary was right there, right where she thought Jesus was going to be, right where he was, right where she should be, knowing I'm going to stick right here, I'm going to stick by Jesus' side, I'm going to follow. It doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like. Mary is one of those characters in the Bible, those characters in Christian history who is, is much maligned in Christian, her, in Christian history because of, her, because of her reputation, but much celebrated in Christian history because of the response and the example that she sent of pure penitence, repentance. For some of us, we, we hear the name Mary Magdalene and, and we think prostitute. We think woman who, who washed Jesus' feet with her hair and anointed his feet with oil and, and, and wiped off all of that oil with her hair, just serving him and worshiping him. For some of us, we have that, you know, and we like those extremes, especially in Christian culture. Maybe you found this to be true, you know, when, when somebody says, so how did you come to know God? You know, and we like those extreme stories. Well, you know, I was, I was a serial killer. I had four wives in four different states. I was addicted to heroin, but now I'm addicted to Jesus. 
like these extremes. Sometimes we, we, we think that, that a good testimony, that a good story of God's faithfulness equates to, I've done really, really bad things, and then God saved my rear end. But I think it's a much more powerful story of the faithfulness of God when I hear things like, well, you know, I, I actually didn't really do all that stuff. I just I knew about God, and I had people around me who loved me, and I saw the glory of God reflected in the individuals around me, and I knew that he was real, and so I just simply started responding to grace. And as I responded to grace, it let me be free to, to step out into the light and to just go, this is who I am. When everybody else was turning on the light and all the cockroaches were running around and people were trying to hide, I just felt so much love from the people around me and from this amazing God that I knew that God was faithful and I could trust him with my being. Every single part. I'm, I'm free to come out into the light because I know that God loves me as I am and, not, and he loves me enough not to leave me as I am. He is going to make me better. He has something more glorious in mind for me. He's calling me to a better place. And that better place is not just simply some cloud in the sky when I die. That better place has a lot to do with right here and right now and today and these moments and living with God. Mary has a lot to teach us in this. So who is Mary? Mary, there's a, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. It can get really confusing. Um, there, there are many, many Marys. And so that's kind of lended itself to some of the confusion and people tying all these Marys together. And um, we like to tie up loose ends. Sometimes we don't like mysteries. You know, but as we go through the Bible and, and, and search out Mary, one of the things that happened was um, Mary was tied in a narrative to Jesus. And then just a little bit before that in the Gospel of John, there was another narrative of this woman coming to Jesus and, and washing his feet. And she was the, the, the great sinner, the, the, the adulterous woman, as they called her, you know. And it was one of those things that, that as, as Jesus responded to this, to this woman and just said, what she's doing is beautiful. She should, she should be repenting. A lot of people just tied that immediately to Mary, and, and she got this reputation because the verses right after that basically just start off talking about Mary. But they also start off talking about Mary and a group of other women. And we'll read those here in, in Luke. Grab your fridge fold. It says, uh, Jesus is kind of traveling around doing some ministry. It says, Luke chapter 8, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So what happened is there, there started to be some confusion about the Marys, and, and uh, in the 6th century, this, uh, this Pope, Pope Gregory the Great, declared from his own divine inspiration that Mary, the, the adulterous woman who washed Jesus' hair, and Mary, another Mary who, who washed, uh, I'm sorry, who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, and then another Mary who washed Jesus' feet with her tears in her hair, and Mary Magdalene, they were all actually the same person. And so for the next 1,400 years, everybody thought Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and that she had this horrible reputation, but by grace had been saved and experienced this beautiful example of repentance. But the Bible doesn't say that. 
the Bible and, and actually in no writings about Mary Magdalene outside of the Bible talk about any kind of sexual behavior that she had, that she was a prostitute or maybe just otherwise. But what happened is in this search for this extreme in this search to kind of like, well, we got to see the light. We gotta, God's glory has to be made greater, and God's glory is made greater by our sin being greater. Wrong. And in, in living in these extremes, what happened is, is people just started making stuff up. But all of the extra writings and the writings in the Bible that talk about Mary Magdalene actually paint her this way. She was a reflective woman. She was one of Jesus' most loyal followers. She was highly favored by Jesus. And there's actually a gospel of Mary Magdalene. Not written by Mary Magdalene, but written by the community that she discipled as an apostle about her and about the teachings that she had and passed on from Jesus. Those are not part of our, our Bible. But this is part of the reputation and part of the history and part of the unfolding story of who Mary really is. Mary was, was a woman who stayed close to Jesus. And in the midst of all of these, you know, Pope Gregory the Great kind of sexualizing Mary Magdalene, it's something that just that, that, that perception carried on. It's something that happened even up until 1969 when the Catholic Church reversed their decision about Mary and said, actually, those different Marys, they're all actually different Marys. Um, but what happened at that point was, Andrew Lloyd Webber and, and Tim Rice, they, they caught on to what was going on, and so they created Jesus Christ Superstar, right? Yes. And then, and then several decades later, we had um, Dan Brown and, and the Da Vinci Code, right? And all of these about these themes of the sexualization of Mary Magdalene. Oh, yes, she was Jesus' lover, and they had a love child, and, and somewhere in Spain, all of Jesus's great 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 grandkids are still running around in secret. Right. And this is what happens, these endless genealogies and these things that can sidetrack us on our faith, and instead we should be focusing on the light of God's word and the truth. The Eastern Orthodox Church never really caught on, on to that. They always kept the Mary separate, but the Western Church, including us, just kind of like, yep, Mary was a prostitute. It's much easier for us to understand. No, Mary, Mary was a faithful follower of Christ who, who had an issue. She was demon-possessed. Now, when we, when we start talking about demon possession, it's really an uncomfortable thing for us. I mean, when was the last time you were sitting up at, at the Red Eye or Starbucks or Chipotle sucking down a burrito and you saw a demon-possessed person? You know, it just doesn't happen too often, right? I mean, there's some that we maybe could guess, you know. <laughs> maybe some of them are even our relatives. But, but we know, but we, but we have this tension with saying Mary was demon-possessed, you know. Like, that's weird. But at the same time, as followers of Christ, what we say we believe is that we are to be possessed by the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of the living God is to be inside of us, guiding us into truth, leading us step by step maybe. Sometimes the illumination is just one step ahead of where we are, and we, and we move into that and say, all right, God, what's next? And this is, a, this is the challenge for us when we start looking into these things you know, and looking into these scriptures like, 
we can't just dismiss Mary being demon-possessed as some kind of ailment. You know, there are other descriptions of people who are demon-possessed in the Bible and, and that, you know, maybe it was an epileptic seizure or, thing, or things like that, you know? It's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe there is some kind of, like, physical sign that goes with it. Maybe there is a, a, a diagnosis but as people who say that the Spirit of God is alive and well and moving in the world and that we are to be led by the Spirit, I don't think it is a stretch at all to say that if there are spirits that are good and the Spirit of God desires to, to be a blessing in the world and, and to bring forth His best and good and lead us in His design, then there are also spirits that are other. And they have influence and they have power and the Bible describes those things. The reality for us is that you don't have to be demon-possessed to live in an altered reality, right? You do not have to be demon-possessed to live in an altered reality. Sometimes we just wander, and we, and we don't know where we're going, and maybe we're searching for light, and we're, and we're wondering, but, but our reality is not necessarily where God wants us to lead, to lead us. It's not necessarily His design. There's things that seem very natural and very normal to us, and as we respond to those things, man, I really like ginger snaps. Let me eat the whole bag. That is not going to end well, you know? And God has put voices in the world that said that. Here, let me shine a little light on that, you know? Lots of sugar is not good for you. You need to stay away from those things, you know? These are things that voices of truth that we need to find. And as we go and, and move out in the world um, and, and see what's going on around us, we need to keep in the, in, the, in the back of our minds that part of living out and being a follower of Christ is a disciple of Jesus embraces the light. A disciple of Jesus embraces the light. Not just says, hey, there's light. Not, not, that's not it. You embrace the light. You step into the light. You bask in it. You bathe in it. You let it wash over you. You let it reveal all of the ugly places of who you are. Man, Dan, you got really big pores now that I see you in the light. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's the way God made me. Deal with it. Whatever it is, you know, we need to step into the light and, and, and be able to, part of that is, is being around each other. Now, part of the story of Mary Magdalene is not just that she was close to Jesus, but what we, what we saw there was that she was in community. Luke chapter 8 says she was in community. She was with specifically a lot of other ladies, a lot of other women and, and other males, but specifically in a group of women for accountability and for growth, and for ministry. Now, Mary was one of those people um, that she actually supplied Jesus with his ministry financially. She would travel around, but she was also dipping into her pocket and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll buy lunch today. You know, hey, we'll do this. And Mary was from the region around the Sea of Galilee on the western shore, um, or the, these 10 towns, if you're familiar with um, a little bit of the geography of Israel around the Sea of Galilee there. They called it the Decapolis. At the beginning of the series, we talked about another man who was from the, from the area of the Decapolis and the Ten Towns. He was also demon-possessed. Remember, he lived in the cemetery, and he would stay up all night howling and cutting himself with sharp rocks. And when he met Jesus, he got healed. He was in his right mind. He was sane. He experienced healing. He experienced growth. He experienced moving forward. And he experienced being sent out to share the good news. Mary followed in biblical community. And she stayed tight with other women and other men of the faith, living out and embracing the light. 
Sometimes when we, when we, when we talk about God's ways and, and stepping into the light, we have to get rid of our preconceived notions. You know, God is not democratic. God's idea of government is not that he is going to be the president of a democracy. Okay? Right? God's version of, of government is called a theocracy. When he named his people, he called them Israel. Israel means governed by God. So as followers of Christ, it's not just about our, our nationality or the greatness of our country. As followers of Christ, first and foremost, we say, I step into the light and I'm governed by God. I step into the light, I'm going to embrace the light, I'm going to let God dictate reality. I know there are things that seem natural and seem normal to me and seem good to me. And those things maybe have even brought me great pleasure or love or acceptance in my life. But if God says that they are other, that means that he has something better even than what I've experienced. Will I step into the light? Will I let his word guide me? And this is a big challenge for some of us. Because God's word itself says that his word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And some of us, we, we talk about the love of God and the grace of God and how much God loves us, and therefore I can do what seems natural and normal to me. When God says, no, my word exists to illuminate where you need to walk and where you need to refine and where you need to grow and where you need to stop and where you need to start and where you need to wait. But all that happens in the light, embracing the light embracing the grace. I mean, what would, what would happen if, if we were known for grace? What, happened, what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ was known that when we walked here and, and came into these rooms and, and hung out there in the lobby and walked out in the parking lot, that there was just all kinds of grace happening. There was just an overflow. There was an embrace. There was a love. There was a look in the eye instead of this glazed over look like we didn't go to sleep till four in the morning last night. Some of us, we, we, we have been wrapped up in what the world wants to offer us, and we have not spent time in the light. We're too busy hiding in the darkness. And Mary shows us that all of our demons are not just simply spirits. Some of our demons are choices. Now, in the 1600s, there was this guy named John Bunyan. Maybe you know him as the author of Pilgrim's Progress one of the most widely published allegories of the Christian faith ever. Well, John Bunyan wrote a lot of other things. The, 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 the things that this guy produced, absolutely amazing. But in one of his books called Grace Abounding, this is what he writes. I find to this day these seven abominations in my heart. Pride, envy, anger, intemperance, lasciviousness, covetousness, spiritual sloth. These were Dante's seven scars on his sanctified head. It is better to enter into heaven with seven devils excavated out of your heart as with a knife than to have them gnawing at your hearts for all of eternity. What are your demons? Will we step into the light and answer that question? Will we step into the light with each other and, and have conversations sitting around the coffee table in the, in the living room or, or, or sitting around the coffee table at the coffee shop or sitting across you know, from each other at the picnic table in the park? And will we say to each other, this is who I am and this is where it lines up with who God is and this is where it is other. And I need help bringing some of this other into the light. 
I need these things, they're natural and they're normal for me, but God says they're not right for me and I need help because I don't have the will to take these things and to stop them or to start them or to do whatever I need to do to bring them into the place where God says, yep, that's my boy, that's my girl. It's a challenge for us. In John chapter 3, Jesus says this, he says, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, talking about himself, talking about the Son of God, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. A disciple of Jesus embraces the light. One, because they want to glorify God with the good things that they're doing. And two, because they do not have any fear of the things that they're doing that are wrong because they know that God is at work in their lives and he will lead them on his path. Some of us, we don't believe that. We want to hide. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. No calendar sin? Calendar sin, what's that? You know those things that you do every day to keep life going but have nothing to do with God? Calendar sin. Those places that you live in your life for, for, for your daily pleasure and for daily comfort, but they actually glorify God in no way at all? Calendar sin. Oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Let's sing a song. We, we have these challenges to be able to, to step into these places. And you remember what happened? Here's a picture of how Jesus brought light to a situation, all right? Everybody knows the story. The, the, the religious leaders, they bring the adulterous woman out into the, into the public, you know, where the guy was. I don't know. They caught her in the act, but somehow the guy escaped out the back door. I don't know. They drag the woman in and, 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 and in front of Jesus say, we caught this woman in the act of adultery, the law of Moses says that we should stone her to death. What do you say we should do, right? And we love that black and that white. Hey, what's right and what's wrong? Oh, we got him now. We got this Jesus guy. He's going to sentence this woman to death because he has to uphold the law. We heard in that time that he said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. We know this is it. We've got him. And so Jesus just stoops down and starts drawing cartoon cats in the sand we don't know what he was drawing nobody knows might, have, might as well have been cartoon cats maybe he created garfield i don't know but he's drawing and he doesn't say anything and then he and then he just simply says to to the people all right um whoever is without sin cast the first stone right and then he just gets down and continues drawing garfield's whiskers and a big plate of lasagna. And what happens there is he just keeps doing that, and then he looks up, and the woman is there alone. And this is what we read as the narrative in John chapter 8. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, well, I just happen to be perfect, so I shall smite thee. No, he didn't say that. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
right? He said, step into the light. You've been illuminated. Now you know what my will is. So now go and live your life and sin no more. We love light. We love seeing a different side of things. In our culture, one of the ways that we do this is by, by different products or different slogans, you know. And, and um, while I was spending really quality time this week on Facebook, um, I came across, you know, the, these slides. And, and so maybe you, this resonates with you. Monopoly, a great way to ruin friendships. Yeah, I almost lost my marriage to Monopoly. <clears throat> VW Beetle, girl car. Everybody knows it. If you're a guy and you don't know this yet, you've been told. Yelp, pretend your review matters. Yelp is this app and you can go places and, and take pictures and, and be a connoisseur, you know, pretend your review matters. Victoria's Secret, lowering a woman's self-esteem since 1977. Thank you, Victoria's Secret, you know. Garmin, drive yourself into a lake. Yes, really happened. Purell, the lazy hand wash. I love the honesty of this. Okay, how many of you Purelled and did not wash your hands after coming out of the bathroom? Don't shake my hand. Visine, we all know why your eyes are red. Okay? And Old Spice, smell like grandpa. Okay? Candy Crush, the game version of pure cocaine. Do I have any addicts in the room? Yeah, don't, no, this, don't do this. It's this, okay? Maybelline, maybe it's Photoshop. Okay, these are, these are the light that we love, okay? This is the other side. We're not being sold something. We see reality. We see truth. I'm an addict. Candy Crush is crushing my free time. And some of us, you know, those are things that as we step into the light, we go, all right, I need to go and sin no more. I need to follow Jesus as Mary did, literally. I need to serve Jesus as Mary did, tangibly. I need to use my resources, every single one of them, to further the ministry of Jesus in the world, which is to shine light, to illuminate, to bring hope and love and grace to a world that is desperate for it. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You, speaking to his disciples, are you a disciple of Jesus? Embrace the light. You are the light of the world. You're a light bearer. You carry the torch. You carry the reflection of God's glory out into the world. That's why we exist. 1 Thessalonians 5 says it this way. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us live in the light. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
Mary, as we look at her story and the 14 times that she's mentioned, about eight of those are, are putting her at the head, of the head of the pack in terms of being a first mention of a group of women. There's another five I just talk about, you know, kind of her service to Christ. And then there's another one where she's included in the, the, the close family members of Jesus, specifically while Jesus was at the cross. All of the other disciples had run away. They were in that space of just, yeah, I don't know what to do. The darkest hours for the disciples were there on that tree, that tree, that gnarled tree that held the body of its very creator, suspended there halfway between life and death, suffering the pain, suffering the price, illuminating the world, showing us that sin equals death. But that wouldn't be the end of the story. Because as Mary was there with him in his ministry and Mary was there at the cross, Mary was also there at the tomb. She was actually privileged to be the very first person that Jesus came in contact with after his resurrection. Imagine what a privilege. Can you imagine how freaky that would be? No, I just saw you die, like... It was just Friday afternoon, and here it is, Sunday morning at dawn, and, and like I'm seeing you face to face. It was so, such a shock to her, she didn't even recognize him. She thought he was the gardener until he said, Mary. <laughs> and in that voice that she knew so well and heard so many times say her name, she cries out, Rabboni, teacher, master, the one who shows me truth. And those are the That's the story that we should have as well. We cry out Jesus' name. Teacher, you're my teacher. I'm not going to tell you how I should be living. You are here to tell me how I should be living. Now, one of the things we tend to do is is we go on this search for truth, right? And we have all kinds of of ways to get this truth. We have apps. You know, there's an app for everything. There's an app to log our calories that we ate and and the number of sit-ups or push-ups that we did. We got apps to to tell us how many miles we drove or to chart our course on our bike ride through the woods. We got all kinds of apps. We have a problem, we go to Google, right? Google it. You know, my kids, they do this. You know, they ask me a question and I don't know, and they're like, Google it, Dad, Google it. I'm like, come it. Remember the days when dads knew everything. Now I got to find out and go Google it, and then I got to know everything. Or Siri, you know? Anybody know what Siri means? I didn't know what Siri meant, so I had to Google it. It's one of the, you know what what it is? Siri actually means something. It means speech interpretation and recognition interface. Learned something at church today. Tell all your friends. So my church taught me what Siri means. Speech interpretation and recognition interface. The guy who created it was going to, he loved the name Siri. It's a Norwegian name that means beautiful woman who leads to victory. Brings you a little context. Next time you say, Siri, take me to Chipotle. Lead me to victory. You got to say in that voice too, even if you're a woman. Lead me to victory, right? When we ask Siri these things, we ask Google these things. We, we, We go on WebMD to try to diagnose our demons, right? Looking for three different opinions that will somehow align and show us our our path to the future, our path to healing. And what we end up doing is spending three hours in total confusion and end up with a headache or an anxiety attack to add to our symptoms or a ticked off spouse who's like, you just need to go to the doctor, dummy. 
you know? These are the kinds of things, truth, we, that we're searching for. We get it in, in WebMD or we, or we go to Google or we go to Siri, you know? We have an app that sometimes can dictate our reality and our truth. And Jesus is all the while saying, listen, come on now, step into my light. My word offers you everything that you need for life and godliness. Come and spend time with me. Get in biblical community. Get empowered by the Spirit. Disciples of Jesus, embrace the light. Now, a band's going to come back up. We're going to sing this song. We're going to, for those of you that maybe are like about my age, you might, may have a little nostalgia, um, an old DC Talk song. I want to be in the light. Yeah, some of you guys like that. Yeah. So we're going to sing that together. And I want you to listen to these words. And I want you to, to make these words a, a, a prayer and a choice to step out of the shadows and into the light and say, God, just, I want to be in the light. That's what, that's what my confession is. That's what my profession is today, that I want to be in the light. I want to be with you, Jesus. And I don't care what that means. I don't care what changes may come. I don't care what fears I have. I don't know if it turns my world upside down, God. Jesus, I want to be next to you. I want to be in the light. Let's pray. Thank you.